the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome back to Cashland and the show where we fall ass backwards and in the money and you get richer just by listening. As always, I am your host, Ben, joined by my highly esteemed co-host, Aaron. We've got a one mic setup now, so if anything sounds a little different, it's because we're working through some... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call them technical difficulties, but we are trying out some new stuff. Anyways, apart from, you know, podcast administration, we got a whole lot of sports going on. Aaron, I know you're pretty excited. This is a good time of year for you. Uh, how, how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, first things first, like we don't have technological difficulties. The technology just simply fails us at times. And uh, that was the case. We recorded a really good National League pod. You just have to take our word for it. Uh, we put it all out there on Twitter, but... Aside from that, uh, we're in the middle of April. April is one of the best sports months of the entire year. I mean, we've got baseball season in full swing, which we're, we are about to talk about a lot today. Uh, basketball is making its swing towards the uh, NBA playoffs. We just went through all of March Madness and the Final Four, where, Ben, by the way, we went 15-8 and eight against the spread on our uh, March Madness bets on Twitter. How about that? Yeah, I was actually – I was able to pad my Bavada account enough with our with our March Madness bets to to be able to do some baseball bets which if you follow us on Twitter you've been saying that we've been putting out baseball bets pretty consistently over the last week we're going to continue to do that and uh we're going to talk about the season so far today um but yeah no those those NCAA bets were were pretty nice 15 and 8 against the spread that's that's hard to do yeah we rode UCLA uh we rode USC there for a little bit we rode Baylor and uh, that worked out pretty well for us this is also a golf touting podcast now because we gave out some winners on the Masters. Ben, he almost hit 20 to 1 Xander Shoffley, which would have been uh, something great there, but it just didn't come through. But man, Ben, one day you're going to be a golf tout. It's going to be glorious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair. In the interest of transparency, I do not watch golf. I threw out that Xander Shoffley sort of on a whim. Um, you know, I'm, if you watch the Masters, you know he, he came within one 16 hole into the water, sort of being right, at, right there in it. But, uh, but that was good. The the UT Spieth bet was just an absolute stone cold lock. That was one of your best bets of the year. Spieth to be the top Longhorn. The only regret is that we didn't bet more. Um, NFL draft coming up. That's always noteworthy. But Ben, we have now witnessed two full weeks of baseball in our apartment in which we live together. We have three TVs. They are all running on MLB.tv at all times. We've watched a lot of baseball. And uh, we just we just have a lot of takes that we need to get off our chest. It really is amazing. We should probably put put a photo of our setup on on Twitter at some point. But it's just every day, basically one p.m. to eleven p.m. It's three baseball games on. If the Warriors aren't playing or something else, just wall to wall televisions. It's always nice. Um, from what I understand, uh, we're two weeks in. This is when a lot of people like to panic. A lot of people like to. Wonder if their preseason predictions are coming true. Aaron, you've got a game that you want us to play today, and I'm excited to play it. Yeah, so let's uh, let's knock out a new little segment here. It's going to be a new game. It's going to be called, Are We Worried About Blank? Or Do We Believe in Blank? So we're going to hit some of, the, some of the lows, some of the teams and players people are kind of worried about, and we're going to see if we're actually worried about that. And then uh, some of the big stories about the players and teams catching fire to start the season – we're going to see if uh, we believe in those teams. And uh, Ben, it's only fitting. My dear friend, my highly touted co-host, oh, man. my roommate, the best man in my wedding. Ben, are we worried about the Houston Astros? Uh, I just don't like the way that you ask it so forcefully. Uh, my answer is more or less no. Um, for those of you who are unaware, which should be none of you, 
They are coming off a five-game losing streak at home. They just got swept by the Detroit Tigers. Both me and Aaron took the under 68.5 on the Tigers. We do not think they're a good baseball team. I stand by that. The Astros also just had something of a COVID outbreak. We're recording this on uh, April 15th in the evening. We are sort of unsure of the extent of the COVID with the Astros. It's being reported that only one person has tested positive. Everybody else is out for health and safety protocols, but that includes Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Martin Maldonado. Good chunk of the team, I would say. Um, Not to bury the lead too much, I'm not actually overly concerned about the Houston Astros. I remember them getting swept by the Reds in 2019. The 2019 Reds were also not a good baseball team. It's baseball. Shit happens. Um, it's not comforting though. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to agree with you, Ben. I am not worried about the Astros. I think it's small sample size. It's early season, you know, early season droughts. I still believe in every aspect of this team, you know, lineup, bullpen and rotation. I'm not worried about any of it. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, Looks like a damn gazelle out there on the base pass. You love to see that. He's just actually running. It's really nice to see. No, he's he's not Greg Oden. I apologize to Jordan. <laughs> but uh, I think we just have to chalk it up to, I think the Detroit Tigers are just a tough matchup for the Strohs. I don't know what else we can really say. That was a weird series. AJ Hinch devil magic, dude. He, he just always has it. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. So there, there we have it. Cash Lady Podcast is not worried about the Astros. But Ben, do we believe in either Akil Badu your mean Mercedes or Philip Evans, a um, lot of breakout candidates to start the season. This, see, this is a tough question for me because, uh, you know, we have to quantify the word believe, I guess, uh, to a certain extent. In, in, in short, I would say Badu, sort of, your mean, no, and Philip Evans, no. But to, to expand on that a little bit, Akil Badu is a man with like a lot of tools. He's a very toolsy outfielder. He has speed. He's hitting the cover off the ball right now, which I think we probably both expect to come back down to earth at some point. But even if he was just sort of a league average hitter, that's an, that's an MLB caliber player right there. And a kill Badu because he does so many other things, right? Yermin Mercedes hits the ball and that's all he's doing. And if he stops doing that, he stops being valuable. So that's kind of where I'm at. You know, we see this all the time. We talk about it all the time. Once once teams get a month of scouting on these guys, they're definitely just not going to have a thousand OPSs anymore. I mean, they'll they'll come back down to earth and they'll come back down to earth quickly. But that's kind of where I am with that. I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to hear your take on it too. Yeah, it's always fun to see which guys break out at the beginning of the year. Akil Badu, uh, he's a cool story. He was in the Twins minor league system for a good amount of time. Then he got uh, picked up by the Tigers in the Rule Five draft. I mean, he hit the first MLB pitch he ever saw for a home run to the opposite field, which that is very, very impressive. Uh, He's hitting 370 right now, four homers and a very high OPS. I think I believe in your meme Mercedes a little more just because none of these guys are going to be all-stars. None of them are going to be, you know, franchise altering players. But we talk about a player that can impact a team and have an impact over the course of a season and potentially in the playoffs. I kind of like the Yerminator because he's going to get protection in that lineup. It's a good nickname. I like that. He's going to provide power. He doesn't stride, which I just respect because you don't see that very often. And I just think he's a good fit in that lineup. He's just yet another power bat. I think the power will always be there. You know, he's, he's probably not going to hit 500 the rest of the year. I'd probably take the under on that. But 
if I had to pick between any of these guys, I would say I slightly believe in your mean Mercedes, but overall, you know, most of these guys will eventually be sentenced to the uh, Aristides Aquino graveyard once a month worth of film is out on them. I agree. Yeah, I mean, now that I mean, we're, t- we're already talking about your mean, I, I want to bring our attention over to the White Sox a little bit. Both Aaron and I, I think, took the over on the White Sox. Um, as soon as we did that, Eloy Jimenez ruptured his his what was his his pec his, his pec his just entire pec just exploded sounds painful so he's going to be out for you know the rest of the season essentially or at the very least four more months um we don't expect your mean mercedes to keep picking up the slack in this way i mean i think it's reasonable to say that he is not eloy jimenez um when that happens are you worried about the white Sox at all with their offense i mean the, the bottom four of their lineup sometimes is now like danny mendick and larry garcia and adam eaton and just you know not power hitters anymore so how do you how do you feel about that i am not selling my white Sox stock um tim anderson is banged up he's not going to be out for that much longer i really believe in jose abreu i still really like yoan mancada they've got you mentioned you know those guys at the bottom of the lineup they don't have that much power but they will get on base adam eaton has looked really good to start the season we both believe in nick magical to be a 320 plus hitter and i mean ben we we witnessed it last night in our own very apartment carlos rodon looks like a new pitcher i really believe in lucas giolito liam Hendricks is you know he's been worth the contract so far so i am not gonna sell my white Sox stock they're still my pick to win this division yeah i'm 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 more impressed by their pitching than i thought i would be um especially rodon but especially these these uh relievers that i didn't put a whole ton of stock into but now when you look at it as a whole it's you know kopech and hewer and crochet and just nobody throws less than 98 in that bullpen and it's it's pretty impressive to watch um i would be remiss if we didn't talk about philip evans enough Philip Evans is another feel-good story. He's a 28-year-old rookie right now, just absolutely raking for Pittsburgh. He has a he has 1,057 OPS. I mean, his savant page looks like Mike Trout in a normal year. I expect this to come down to earth at some point, but for now it's definitely a cool story. Uh, we saw Brian Reynolds emerge in 2019. It would just be nice for Pittsburgh to sort of get another piece out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't really have any hot Philip Evans takes, but I do want to get your uh, your take right now, so – you sounded like you were maybe leaning Twins in our American League podcast. Two weeks in, you have a gut feeling right now, Twins or White Sox? I will I will double down on my Twins. Um, if Yermin Mercedes cools off, I expect the, the White Sox offense to get a little bit closer to league average, which I think puts the Twins uh, right above them. Um, all, you know, all the concerns you mentioned in that podcast are still valid, but I'm going to double down on the Twins. All right, so we're sticking with our guns there in the AL Central. I want to move on to a National League team, to a National League team. And Ben, are we worried about the Atlanta Braves and more specifically that pitching staff? Man, I'd see, it's another tough question because what you're really asking is, are we worried about the Braves without Max Freed? Which I think is a very valid question, more valid than you know maybe some of the other things that people are looking at as causes for concern because Max Freed really did stabilize that rotation. You knew you were getting 180 innings out of him, and now you're not. So I'm going to say, yes, I'm worried about the Braves rotation. I had the Mets winning that division already, I believe in our, in our National League podcast that never ended up going up. Um, but you know, that was definitely tweeted out. Um, I had the Mets winning already. I definitely have the Mets winning that division now. Um, I don't think it will change the standings too much. I still expect it to be Mets, Braves, Phillies, but it might make the Braves and Phillies closer to each other. Yeah, I, I, I think the Braves will win that division. I locked in their over. 
I am a little nervous about that pick now. I don't want to waver too much because the offense has been everything I expect it to be. And the main reason I picked that over was because of the Braves offense over the course of a long season. But you talk about Max Fried getting put on the IL. Drew Smiley hasn't looked very good. And traditionally, he has definitely not been a guy that eats up a lot of innings. And then you've got another trio of guys that I'm kind of iffy on for different reasons. Ian Anderson's really young, never been through a full season. Charlie Morton is kind of old. He's been through a lot of full seasons. Mike Soroka is recovering from an Achilles injury. Those are three different reasons for like three pitchers that I like in a vacuum. But overall right now, I'm a little bit concerned about. We saw the bullpen look a little shaky today. Uh, Luke Jackson is not everything that he used to be. I, I am not feeling that great about the bullpen. I still think this is a playoff team. But yeah, the Mets and the Phillies have both looked pretty good and I do think this is going to be a dogfight, and I'm I am wavering just a little bit on the Braves. Yeah, I mean, I, I very, uh, you know, my picks were Cabrian Hayes and Dylan Carlson for the National League Rookie of the Year. I very, very purposefully did not put Ian Anderson or Sixto Sanchez in there because I just don't think that they're going to get to 162 innings and be be qualified pitchers. Um, that's still true with Ian Anderson, and I'm just not 100% sold on who's going to pick up the innings. Honestly, uh, Husker Yanoa, I'm sorry, I really don't know how to pronounce his name completely perfectly, but he's looked very good so far. I remember him being a big-time pitching prospect, but um, I just don't know if there's enough to you know, make them the cream of the crop in the NL East, which is such a tough division this year. It is a very tough division. Um, I can't wait to see Jacob deGrom go up against that lineup multiple times throughout the year. That'll be must-watch television. But... Um, Man, speaking of Jacob DeGrom, who's going to be a Cy Young candidate all year long, Ben, I've got to ask you the question. Do we believe in Corbin Burns or Tyler Glasnow as legit Cy Young threats? Uh, it's tough for me. I'm going to say no to Corbin Burns. Um, Corbin Burns has reinvented himself in a, in a really interesting way. He throws that 98-mile-an-hour cutter all the time. Very fun pitcher to watch. He has not walked anybody this year. That's a fun stat. He hasn't walked anybody yet. Um, he also has a 0.49 ERA in 18 innings with 30 strikeouts. Uh, just a fun pitcher to watch. I said it uh, to begin the year. The thing that I really do not believe about this Brewers team is their top two starters to stay healthy. That's Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, both of them. That is now a real one-two punch. Me and Aaron have had some conversations about this. I still don't think they can make it through to pitch the 200 innings that they would be required to pitch to really make this team win the NL Central. Um, I'm going to say no to Corbin Burns, but Tyler Glass now, he also has his fair share of injury history. He has a brand new slider that seems to be sort of easy on the arm, especially more so than the splitter that he used to have. I'm I'm a little bought into Tyler Glass now maybe as a legit Cy Young threat. Maybe I'm just talking myself into it because he's on our fantasy team, but I hope not. I'm, I'm a little bought into Glass now. I think I believe in both of these guys. I'm watching Corbin Burns dominate the Cubs the other day. And yes, I know the Cubs are just an atrocious offense and they deserve no respect. But just watching Corbin Burns, I really like that the fact that that slider is just as hard as the four seam. So you're getting a 98 mile an hour pitch. You don't know if it's going to cut at the last second or if it's going to stay straight. That is really tough to deal with. His other pitches are plus plus. He seems like he's throwing free and easy. I I just got a feeling he might stay healthy. I really like him if he does. Ben mentioned it, 30 strikeouts, no walks. That is a ratio that will play um, throughout the season (laughs) if that is sustained. 
And then you talk about Tyler Glass now, you talk about the new slider. He looks legit. He still has the old Tyler Glass now effect where it's taking him a lot of pitches to get through innings sometimes. But if you're going to put up these strikeouts numbers and, you know, not give up runs, that will still play over the long course of the season. I I think Tyler Glass now might be moving into my front runners to win the American League Cy Young right now. I don't think Burns will win the award over Jacob DeGrom, but I think he might end up top three, top four in a, in a Cy Young vote getter. So I think I do believe in both of these guys. I'm going to hope they stay healthy, and I actually think they probably will. Yeah, I do briefly want to just talk about Milwaukee because they are completely the opposite of what, what I expected them to be so far in that Christian Yelich is hurt. The offense hasn't been very good just in general. Um, the the defense has been good, which we said it would be because, I mean, it's Lorenzo Cain and Colton Wong and, and Jackie Bradley Jr. and just all these defensive guys. But the pitching, Freddie Peralta came out of nowhere. He is no longer Freddie Fastball. He has a real slider. He just looks really good. If they have three legitimate arms – you know, me and Aaron have been very vocal with our, we don't like the way the Brewers have been constructing the teams, but if they have three real arms, I mean, all of those, all that criticism sort of fades away because they are a legitimate contender in the, in the National League. But again, that depends on Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff staying healthy, which I think is a long shot over 162 game season. Yeah, we'll just have to see. I mean, I think it's definitely time for the memes to stop. Uh, Corbin Burns versus Clayton Kershaw in a in a game five is actually a real pitching matchup now, but they do have to get there first. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the offense. But yeah, I mean they're both going to be really fun to watch over the course of the year, and I hope they both stay healthy. Yeah, no longer is it Julius Chessin for games one, three, and seven or whatever. That man has never pitched a playoff game not against Walker Buehler. <laughs> uh, I'm going to shift our focus over to the AL East. I've got two teams I really want to talk about. One of which got off is getting off to a slow start, and the other uh, is on the opposite end of that spectrum, I would say. The first one is going to be the New York Yankees. Luke Voigt went out. Um, is he out for the season, or is he out for half the year? I no, he's, the he should is. be coming back around the All-Star break, is okay. the report. So Luke Voigt went out early in the year. Uh, he, As Aaron said, he should be around for the All-Star break. We know about the injury uh, history of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. There's a chance that this offense misses a lot of its power bats from here until July. The rotation looks a little suspect. It, I, I mean, I don't know if it's Garrett Cole and a bunch of guys. I don't know if we're ready to say that yet because it is Jamison Tyon and Corey Kluber and real names. Uh, we both took the over 95. I'm just, I, I want to check in with you, see how you feel about the Yankees, see how, see how you feel about your over while they're sitting at five and seven. I am not worried about the New York Yankees. My main pitch, of course, was that offense over the course of a long period of time to yeah, you know, kind of beat up on some suspect AL East pitching staff. I am not going to waver on that. No, Luke Voigt hurts a little bit. Um, Jay Bruce has been fine. Gary Sanchez has actually been pretty good. I mean, I Judge and Stanton are ne- are going to need to stay relatively healthy to get that over uh, to the window. But I still believe in this team. I really believe in that offense. I never believed that uh, Corey Kluber or Jamison Tyon were going to go out there and absolutely dominate. I believe they were going to go out there and give you five or six innings, give up three or four runs, and I just think that's enough to win games in that division with that bullpen. And uh, I still believe in the Yankees. I'm not going to budge. But one or two more injuries, and I might be wavering a little bit. So you're going to have to keep your eye on the health of that team. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I brought up all those concerns. I would still double down and take the over if you asked me to today. Um, Another thing that I think is important to factor in is – it's the Yankees. They're going to trade for somebody at the deadline if they need it. Um, 
you know, whether they have salary room or not, they're going to make some. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, if they need a number two starter, they have the farm tips, they, uh, they have the farm system to go out and get that. I do think the question of, is it Garrett Cole and a bunch of guys? I think the answer to that might be yes. And the answer might also be that it doesn't matter. I think the answer is yes. And I think that's fine. And that's what we expected. And that's just all it needs to be. You know, will that be okay in the playoffs? I think that's a completely different discussion. But over the course of a regular season, I think that is probably fine. Yeah. Speaking of a bunch of guys, we're going to talk about uh, the current leaders in the AL East. I believe they're on an eight-game win streak, including a sweep of the Minnesota Twins. Is that is that right? Man, that's just a... Uh, the Twins won today Oh, okay. because so, our, our boy Alex Colomay got the W. That is that is big. So not a sweep of the Twins, one three out of four, two out of three, whatever. Um, do we believe in the Red Sox, Aaron? Uh, ben, I'm going to make one statement, and then I'm going to let you take away the rest of the Red Sox analysis. We were watching the Red Sox-Twins game very closely today. It was a, it was a very close game, back and forth. It was, a, it was a close game late, and there was a pitching change when the Red Sox were on defense, and that pitching change was Darwinson Hernandez for Matt Andrews. That's, that's all I got to say about do I believe in the Red Sox. That answer will be no. I'm going to let that statement uh, speak for itself. I have nothing to add to that uh, other than I agree. And so we are going to go ahead and move on to the Friday Daily Fantasy slate for baseball. It's a 14-game slate. This is going to be for Monday, April 16th. Uh, You do not want to miss that. Yeah, so let's hop into this uh, DFS slate right after we get a break from our sponsors here at Apollo Media. All right, and we are back, and we are going to go over this Daily Fantasy Sports slate here. Uh, This is going to be based on DraftKings pricing. As always, uh, we play DraftKings here. This is a DraftKings household. Uh, This is also going to be more of a brief overview than sort of the super in-depth things that you may be used to from from the Cash Lightning Podcast. This is the night before, so we don't actually have the the current lineups. We don't have uh, concrete stuff on the weather. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter. That's going to be at Cash Landing Pod. We are going to update you guys all day um, on everything that we say on this podcast and especially on some value plays once lineups come out. So as always, we're going to start with the pitching and I'm going to throw it over to Aaron where he can talk about the starting pitching on this slate. Yeah, this is a really uh, fun slate. You know, this is the first slate we're breaking down of the year. It's a 14 gamer and man, we get Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer at the very top of the board. Um we're going to throw out Walker Bueller just because there's better options and he's playing the Padres and he's just, you know, Dave Roberts, yada, yada, yada. Um, DeGrom is 11K in Coors, which that is absurd. I don't think I have ever seen that before in all my years of playing DraftKings. It, it says something about DeGoat. I yeah. mean, he truly is just the best pitcher in the game right now to be 11 grand in Coors, and I'm still very much thinking about it. Yeah, so the debate here is, for as far as top pitchers go, it's DeGrom at 11K or it's Max Scherzer at 10.4K against the Diamondbacks. Me, personally, this is a really tough call. $600 is not much of a saving, so I'm tempted to go with DeGrom here. But look, it's a 14-game slate. I'm just not going to pay 11K in Coors if I'm just making one lineup. I'm going to go with Scherzer at the top. I don't think you have to go with either of them, but if I'm picking between the two, I'm going to give a slight lean to Scherzer versus a very weak Diamondbacks lineup that is currently missing Cattell Marte and Christian Walker. Yeah, I think I have, I think I differ in many ways. I think I would take DeGrom if I could only take one. I also think that in cash, I am absolutely taking one. 
if I'm only making one cash lineup, I'm taking one of these two. Um, I think I would be tempted to do Scherzer in cash and DeGrom in tournaments because I think Coors is going to scare a lot of people off. Um, but I would give a slight lean to DeGrom if you had to make me take one for both um, for both types of contests. Yeah, Coors is the only issue there because we're not scared of the Rockies' individual hitters versus DeGrom. He still throws 100 miles per hour, which Coors is not really going to impact that much. So it's really just... Are there a couple ill-timed home run balls that, you know, take his 35-point outing and turn it into, you know, a 26-point outing? And 26 is not going to be enough on this slate at that price. So he's in a really good spot for a win. Uh, He'll probably even hit a few home runs himself just because he's just Shohei Otani for the Mets. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm going to give a slight lean to Scherzer, but that's my take on the guys at the top. But we do have some uh, some cheaper guys that we need to – notify the people about yeah there's there's a tier right under them um i think that it's a it's a pretty close call between these tier two pitchers as well and then there's a tier three that we're going to get into right after that but for for t- tier two for me is going to be steven Matz at 9.3 k um against kansas city and then zach eflin against uh st louis eflin is 8.6 steven Matz feels a little like a trap just because I mean, that's a high price for Steven Matz. We know who Steven Matz is, but Kansas City is a top six strikeout team so far this year. Steven Matz has been striking a lot of people out and just generally looks pretty good. Zach Eflin's coming off a tough outing, but I also think he could just be really good against the Cardinals. So, I mean, if you want to save 700 bucks and go with Zach Eflin, I certainly wouldn't be mad at you. Um, if I'm taking one of these really expensive pitchers, I'm not taking either of these two t- tier two guys. But either Eflin or Matz feels like a guy you could start your your slate with and then take one of the guys that we're about to talk talk about in a little bit. Yeah, Steven Matz feels like he might swing the slate one way or another for me because I think the price is kind of a trap. In his first two starts, he was 8.6 and 8.7K respectively. I think that is about right where Steven Matz should be priced. He's throwing really hard. He looks good. He's healthy, which is that's just because it's early in the year. But Kansas City, Ben mentioned it. They're uh, their top six in strikeout rate as a team so far this year. They're a little pesky. They've got some guys that can hit sometimes. I feel like we're being baited in to play Steven Matz in a good matchup just because he's cheaper than DeGrom and Scherzer. But I feel like I feel like it's a trap. I'm going to stay away. And I think similar can be said for Zach Eflin, who I do like as a pitcher. The Cardinals, they're right middle of the road in strikeout rate. They just kind of dink and dunk their way to, you know, three runs. They'll draw some walks. They'll run up your pitch count a little bit. Arenado, Goldie, you know, they'll all give you professional at-bats. They're just not a team that I go out of my way to pick on. So I think I might just fade this tier entirely. But I'm not going to be shocked if Steven Matz wins the slate for someone. So maybe if I'm making a lot of lineups, I would definitely throw in one or two Steven Matz. Yeah, I think we – so sounds like we differ a little bit on those guys. I think those are clearly sort of in a tier above uh, the next three guys we're going to talk about. But there is somebody who we both believe in very much uh, on this slate, and that's going to be Frankie Montas at 7.3K. I'll let you go ahead and talk about him because I think you might even like him more than I do, and I like him a lot. Yeah, I think I would go all in on Frankie Montas here. Um, I like him more than the next couple guys we're going to talk about, even though I do think their other two guys are good plays. Um, Frankie Montas, he's going against the Tigers. The Tigers have the highest strikeout rate in the league. They're, you know, the Tigers aren't very good unless they're playing the Astros. Um, yeah, apparently. This game is in Oakland. 
I think this is a really good spot for Frankie Montas to go out there. He's going to get eight strikeouts. He's going to get a win that will correlate to roughly, you know, 26 to 30 DraftKings points, which is enough for 7.3K. He lets you get some good bats in your lineup. Uh, You can pair him with either DeGrom or Scherzer and still be okay if you can find some cheap bats, which we will provide for you here in a little bit. And uh, I think it's a good spot for Frankie Montas. I I do prefer him to uh, the guys in the tier two, just because I feel like he's got just as much upside with, you know, a matchup versus the Tigers. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, those are all good points. And I and I love Frankie Montas as a, as a play today, just in general. So I, I really have nothing to say that you haven't said, other than he looked really good against the Astros as well in their home series. Uh, Montas's whole thing is that he sometimes he can't throw strikes. He was certainly throwing strikes then. So uh, hopefully he can keep it rolling into this next game. The next guy I want to talk about is Yusei Kikuchi. Um, sort of a very similar pitcher to Frankie Montas, actually, although he is a lefty. I think that Montas is just going to be really popular in both formats, cash and tournaments, because if me and Aaron agree on somebody, usually that means they're just a good play. Um, Kikuchi is going up against the Astros, who typically you just do not want to take the pitcher who they're going against. However, it is the Astros missing Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, and Martin Maldonado. All of those people will be placed by AAA hitters, and then a lefty, Jason Castro. For Martin Maldonado, Kikuchi is a hard-throwing lefty. Could rack up the strikeouts against this team that usually never strikes out because they're missing all their players. I just think it's a nice sort of under-the-radar sleeper, definitely a tournament pick uh, if I had to make one. Yeah, it is definitely sneaky. He's going to be low on. People are going to see Astros, and they're going to run away because, I mean, the Astros, they just don't strike out. But as Ben just mentioned, this is not going to be your typical Astros lineup. So I don't hate the call. I wouldn't run it out there in cash and, uh, you know, I think it's a good tournament call if you're going to try to get fancy and a really good leverage play off of what is probably going to be a very chalky Frankie Montas. So you can get Kikuchi at much less ownership with a maybe similar upside against a, against the B team Astros. Yeah. And then lastly, I want to talk about Andrew Heaney, who is 6.8 K. If you're looking for something to, for a pitcher to squeeze in, you have the perfect lineup and you need a cheap pitcher. Um, I think Andrew Heaney could be that thing. The Angels could just definitely win against Lewis Thorpe and the Twins. Um, I mean, this is sort of the Twins pitching depth that you were talking about earlier in the year, Aaron. Uh, Andrew Heaney is right now just coming off of a super strong nine strikeout performance and a win against a similarly talented Blue Jays lineup. Going against the Twins is scary, but he just did it against the Blue Jays. Honestly, I just don't hate Heaney in either format, cash or tournament, as a cost saver. Um, he is a cheap pitcher for the slate, but I think he, he presents a good amount of upside. Yeah, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a horrible call. I mean, lefties against the Twins have not been great in years past, but the Twins are dealing with some injuries right now. It's not the same lineup as in years past. Um, it's still a really good lineup. I'm not going to go out out of my way to target the Twins very often this year, but uh, 6.8K, which will allow you to get a lot of really nice bats on a 14 game slate in which there are high price bats that. Uh, if you can afford, they will probably do well for you. Yeah, and so with that, we're going to go ahead and move on into some bats to talk about. Specifically, first, we're going to talk about some stacks that we think you should target, just some high-scoring games in general. Um, and then we're going to go on to some individual hitters. Again, as lineups come out, uh, we will be tweeting value plays and everything on our account. But just for now, this is sort of a first look. Um, I'm going to start off. I know I said Yusei Kikuchi could be a solid play for the strikeouts. I'm not really reverting on that. The flip side of that coin is there's going to be some very cheap Astros bats that could certainly run into a home run. Um, you've got 
Yuli at 3.9K, who is just a good play. He mashes lefties, and, and he's taking a lot of walks this year, which is good because Kikuchi has a penchant for walking people. Miles Straws, 2.7K. He's probably not going to strike out. Might also not be able to steal against the lefty, but we'll see. Um, and then Abraham Toro at 2.5K. These are all cheap bats that can round out your lineup. Um, I just think if you're looking for a cheap hitter, you might want to take one of these AAA Astros and hope they run into a home run. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't prefer to stack a bunch of AAA Astros on such a big slate. I think I like them maybe more as one-offs. Just maybe if you really need a, like a 2.5K hitter, maybe Abraham Toro. I don't love the idea of stacking them all, but I, uh, you know, if you want to run out like a Degrom Scherzer lineup and then maybe stack all these Astros. That could be a very contrarian way to play it. So maybe that idea, uh, you could play around with the lineup there. I kind of like the Reds. I think they're in a good spot tomorrow. Uh, they're going up against Logan Allen, who is, uh, you know, not that great. The the uh, the Cleveland bullpen, you know, it's fine. It's okay. Um, nothing special. I think the Reds are in a good spot. Tyler Stevenson, if he gets the start, I kind of like him as a cheap-ish catcher. You could throw him in a little bit of a stack there with Nick Castellanos and Eugenio Suarez. And then... Uh, I'll talk a little bit about uh, Nixon Zell here. 3.4K. He always is a threat to run, even against a lefty. There's a chance he could steal. He's got gap-to-gap power. And uh, 3.4K is pretty cheap in which, uh, you know, this is a slate where you're going to need a couple cheap bats to fit in either a stud pitcher or multiple stud uh, hitters. Yeah, I, I I certainly don't disagree. And I actually really like Suarez uh, with his pricing. He's... He's right around 5K as a shortstop, which is just which is uh, you know tough to find more or less. But uh, I, I will say I would pay up for a shortstop on this slate. There are a lot of shortstops to pay up for, and Suarez could be one of them. Um, so yeah, I, I don't hate that. I will say you mentioned that you know the Astros are better as one-offs. A real stack that I like, like an offense that I think you should absolutely be stacking. Uh, if you're if you're playing multiple tur- tournaments, it's going to be the Oakland offense against Jose Urania at home. It's not just Jose Urania; it's also Jose Urania and the Tigers bullpen. Um, you got cheap options in the outfield with Seth Brown, Tony Kemp, and Stephen Piscotty, two lefties and a righty. Um, you have some good heavy hitter value. Some of the Oakland regulars are just cheaper than they should be. Ramon Laureano is three point nine k. I mean, like he's leading the league in steals and he's, can always hit a home run. Yeah, I mean it's just crazy. So he, he could definitely steal against this righty Jose Urania. Um, I just think there's a lot of pieces of this Oakland offense that I'm going to want uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I definitely like the Oakland staff. I mean, those outfielders really jumped off the page. Um, they will, again, if you stack all those guys in the same lineup, you're going to have money for good pitchers. You're going to have money for more expensive one-offs somewhere else, which uh, could work out pretty well. And so I do like that. I do like that idea. Ben mentioned it, the Tigers bullpen. Certified cheeks, um, not good. So we're going to agree there. And uh, now, Ben, it's just time to just call our shots. Just who's who's going to hit some uh, Ding Dong Johnsons tomorrow? Dude, I, I love it. This this may not actually be who's going to hit yeah. a Ding Dong Johnson, but who is going? <laughs> I love Ding Dong Johnson. It's so good. Uh, but who is going to you know three x four x? Who's going to be the value play? Um, I'm going to go ahead and start off Luis Torrens as a punt catcher. Uh, if he starts, he's going to be $3,000 hitting cleanup for the Mariners. Um, if it's Tom Murphy, he would work too. He won't be hitting cleanup, but he will be cheaper. Luis Torrens has been fairly decent offensively this year. And again, he is hitting cleanup. So RBIs and runs should be coming for uh, Mr. Torrens there. 
And I'm going to start off with a player that is just not as sneaky as Luis Torrance. It's going to be Juan Soto versus uh, Taylor Widener. Look, he's he's 6K. He's probably not even a good, like, 6K for a hitter. Probably never a great idea. But I'm just stating for a fact he's going to deposit a 94-mile-per-hour Taylor Widener fastball into the stands. You're probably going to need at least two at that price. But, look, he, he's just going to hit a home run. So I just want to put that out there. I, I like that. Uh, I've... Somebody, I guess, not sneaky for me, too, is going to be Matt Olson. I talked about the Oakland stack. Olson should be part of that. He's going to be $4,000 versus Jose Urania. I mean, he could just definitely hit one or two home runs. So, Yeah, I do like that call. Um, Eric Gonzalez, he's an infielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, a man that I trust once, called, once compared him to a shortstop Aaron Judge. Um, the Brewers, this is not Corbin Burns. This is not Brandon Woodruff. This is Adrian Hauser. Much less intimidating. Uh, Eric Gonzalez has been putting up some very nice at-bats lately. He's got a nice uh, cheap price tag, and he's second base and shortstop eligible, so you can move him around a little bit. Not going to be surprised if he uh, gets you 10 or 11 DraftKings points tomorrow. I appreciate that call. I think we might be the only podcast in the world that even mentions Eric Gonzalez, uh, much less calls our shot with him. But I'm going to go ahead and take Josh Bell at 3.6K. We're picking on Taylor Widener again. I'm sorry. I don't actually, you know, firmly disbelieve in Taylor Widener, but Josh Bell is really cheap here because he's just coming back from COVID and he hasn't had any uh, production yet. But Josh Bell could just always run into a run into a baseball, get you 15 or 16 DraftKings points against a pitcher that I'm not terribly scared of. Yeah, I mean, Taylor Widener had a good run. He was the staff ace for a little bit, but now the prodigal son, uh, Zach Allen, he's returned. So Taylor Widener can now resume into his role of, you know, just being an elite number two starter. He doesn't have to be the stat base. Yeah, that's always the role that I think of when I think of Taylor Widener. Just, you know, when you think of elite number two starters (laughs) in the National League West, you think Blake Snell, Trevor Bauer. Oh, man. Taylor Widener. This is just sad at this point. Please go ahead and call out your next guy. It's going to be Tyler Stevenson uh, as my cheap-ish catcher. I mentioned him already versus Logan Allen. Uh, this guy, he's got a lot of pop. He's young. He's trying to win a job right now. I think he's going to be in the lineup uh, versus a left-handed throwing Logan Allen, but you'll have to just check and see. But if he is in the lineup, uh, yeah, I'm calling him for a, for a long ball tomorrow. <laughs> calling him for a ding-dong Johnson, baby. <laughs> um, I got I have more dudes than you do, I guess, so I'm just going to go go through them. But I've got Nick Madrigal at 3.2K. He is going up against a righty where he can presumably steal a base. Um, I think, you know, magically against a righty is just is always a dude who gets you 12 or 13 fantasy points. He's always cheap, um, and he he will almost never kill you because, you know, we expect him to hit 340, which means I basically expect him to get a hit every day. I got Alec Baum, 3.9K against Carlos Martinez. Just feels like he's going to take one oppo into the stands. Anthony Santander, $4,000 versus Michael fulton and the Texas Rangers bullpen. Sign me up. Santander is a real outfielder. Um, like with a big league bat that nobody ever remembers. I think, you know, Mancini and Mountcastle are going to get the attention, but it should be on Santander. Ramon Laureano, for reasons I already gave, he's 3.9K. He's going to steal a base. He could always hit a home run. So uh, those are my last guys. I will also say there's a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot of cheap outfield plays on this slate. However, we need to see the lineups to come out before we waste any time talking about them. So we will just tweet out the good value outfield plays when lineups come out because we know that they will be there on a 14-game slate. So, unless you've got anything else, Aaron? 
Yeah, so also we will be posting bets tomorrow on Twitter. We will give out some MLB winners. So if there is uh, something you need to take away from this podcast, it is we are sharp. Uh, we know what we're talking about. And it is very important that you follow us on Twitter at Cash Landing Pod. Interact with us. We're going to be tweeting a lot tomorrow. This is a fun slate. There will just be a lot going on. And uh, yeah, besides that, uh, just give us five stars on iTunes. Feel free to subscribe to us and the rest of the great um, Apollo podcasts. So with that, Ben, I'm ready to get out of here before uh, before this big day we got going on tomorrow. I'm ready to get out of here as well. Uh, links to all that stuff will be in the, in the description as well as our Twitter and anything else you need. So have a good one.